0: peace grace this is pastor colton lott from first christian church disciples of christ el reno we have the privilege of building christian community in el reno for the world and so if you care about building christian community or el reno or the world we're glad you're listening to this podcast if you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today's scripture comes to us from Luke 1, 68 to 79. Hear now these words. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has looked favorably on His people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of His servant David, as He spoke through the mouths of His holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to our ancestor Abraham, To grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high, on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. May God add blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. come to the sermon i have a few words to read from psalm 98 which accompanies today's text if you like you can pull it out of your few bibles or pull it up on your phone it won't be on the screen and so maybe this time listen um, in a way you know best i'll sing to the lord a new song for he has done marvelous things His right hand and His holy arm have gotten Him victory. The Lord has made known His victory. He has revealed His vindication at the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. gotta add blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you join me in prayer, please? God, we come longing to see Jesus as many have through the centuries. May these words help us to see him once more for them to be living words that come alive in their public reading and in their meditation. And so may our meditations And the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, our God, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. So Luke 1, which I read earlier, is an odd scripture to focus on on this Sunday, this time of year. Not inappropriate, just odd. We normally wouldn't be turning to Luke 1 until Advent, and deeper into Advent, which begins next week, at that. It would seem that our timing is just a little wonky, but so it was for that story in Scripture originally. After all, there is a story within every bit of Scripture, even the prophetic and poetic pieces like in today's Reading from Luke 1. And to orient to that story with its wackadoodle timing, we must note that the beginning of Luke's gospel is a bit like a musical, where individuals in the story are constantly breaking out into song, just like we do in real life, you know. And there's so much excitement over what God is doing, that simple prose is too little, and so poems and songs are what flow from the mouths in the beginning of Luke's gospel. And our scripture today is one of those songs but taken out of its story. Zechariah's song. It's one of the big numbers. It's also called the Benedictus after the first word in the Latin translation which we read as blessed in English. It is above all a song of thanksgiving. Which makes sense because and this is the part where the timing in the story is funny. Zechariah and his wife have just had a baby, but they are both mature. In their golden years, politely a little old to be having a baby. They're a regular old Abraham and Sarah with their peers expecting grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And instead, Zechariah's is running to the store to purchase their first copy of What to Expect When You're Expecting. And if that were not enough, Zechariah asked one too many questions and an angel to an angel, and so his voice was turned off for a spell, which is part of the story that's never made a ton of sense to me. But Zechariah certainly had time to think about his words very carefully. And so when his son is born, the son born in a strange time for them, in a strange time for the world, but perfect in God's timing, Well, when that son is born, he's to be named John and in short order will be known as John the Baptist, the one who prepares the way of the Lord, the prophet who will work ahead of Jesus at this moment of new, unexpected life, perfect in God's timing. So at this moment of birth, Zechariah sings a new song. He sings a song of mercy, salvation, and peace. He sings a song about a God who remembers God's promises. He sings about a God who has revealed God's self by rescuing us from the hands of our enemies so that we might serve God without fear. Without fear of coercion, without fear of violence, without fear of lack. Zechariah sings a new song for a time such as this. The singing is not unique to Zechariah. As I mentioned, the front end is like a jukebox in Luke's gospel. But even more so, singing to God a new song, but one that is deeply traditional, rooted in a past relationship between God and God and all that has come before with God's people. Zechariah is part of the same tradition that brings us Psalm 98. Psalm 98 has carried me through these last years especially, especially as we have seemed to be out of time, and in odd time, and wackadoodle time. It's command to sing to God a new song, for God has done marvelous things, has led me and sustained me when all other ways seem closed. Those moments when no other way seems possible requires a new song. When the baby comes, or a beloved dies, or a job is lost, or the marriage happens, the adoption is successful, or the divorce comes, we sing to God in those moments new songs But here's the part that gets left out. It is hard work to sing a new song. We did so today with total praise. It's first time to be used as a congregational number. And it's a beautiful song. And the band knocked it out of the park. But I did notice the song was a little softer than normal. And I've watched Chris Prather write a few new actual songs in his time here. And as many of you know, he wrote the lyrics to In Every Time, which was our refrain in the last worship series. We sang it in the call to worship and as our final blessing. And it's relatively short. It's one verse. It's set to a um, familiar tune. Um, we know it is for all the saints. And it still took a literal master of music, a literal opera writer, several hours to write it, polish it, reorder it, refine it, and produce new lyrics to a well-known tune. And he did a great job should write another two or three and then sell it. But it's not small work to sing a new song, especially one that we write together. I won't presume to know the mind of God, but I find it interesting that in today's scripture, Zachariah only had a song ready to sing after many months of being forced to be Quiet. Now that isn't to say that I generally think disabilities are caused by God to teach us a lesson. That would make God a bit sinister and on the whole just not very clever if that's the only way that we could learn. For a variety of reasons, in this case, in this story, in this time, silence on Zechariah's part produced a new song of thanksgiving, of mercy, and salvation. And a new song is what today calls for too. Today on the calendar is a little bit of a mix of things. As Americans, we understand that this is Thanksgiving Sunday when we consider what gratitude is and how prosperity might be better understood from a godly perspective than from a material one, which is to say a little less on individual achievement and more on our common flourishing. Today is also a day when for those churches like ours that observe the liturgical or the Christian year, which is based on the life, ministry, and abiding presence of Jesus, well, next week is Advent that starts the year, and so this must be the last Sunday of the Christian year. as next Sunday we begin it again, and we do that watching and waiting and preparing for Jesus. So it's kind of like the New Year's Eve festival. And especially developed over the last 100 years, particularly the last 40 for Protestants. Today is known as Christ the King, a reign of Christ Sunday. The Sunday when we recognize the God that we know in Jesus is the one who was and is and is to come. So that at the end of the year, we stand looking out over the end of the story. And we remember that the beginning and the end of the story look quite a lot alike. That the end, as we know it, looks like Jesus. That the end of the story, as we know it, looks like a God who reigns with love. That the end, as we know it, involves a God known not as king principally, but as shepherd. That the end, as we know it, involves a God who makes God's own self vulnerable for all humanity. Vulnerable to life and vulnerable to death. At the end, as we know it, is about reconciling all of creation to be a family instead of an order which is ruled by violence and fear. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the reign of Christ Sunday has a complex story about how it came into being. Protestants like us adopted it 40 or 50 years ago as the proper end of the Christian year. But this idea, like many other good ideas, first had its origins in the Catholic Church. First proposed in nineteen twenty-five by Pope Pius XI, what was then called the Feast of Christ the King uh, Christ the King of the Universe. It has a way to fight the encroaching fascism and nationalism of Europe at that time. A reminder that the God we know in Christ is in charge and does not need nations and states to do the work for God. And that's important for us too. Our time is not wholly different from the 1920s as a song of Christian nationalism surges in our century, in this country. Our particular situation as Americans I mean, that Christian nationalism is coming into view, a belief that the only real way to be American is to be Christian, and that Christianity is best understood as we practice it here in America. Sometimes it's an ideology that believes the U.S. is the rightful heir to the Hebrew Bible's words about ancient Israel, that we are the ones uniquely blessed, better, more special than other countries, as if that is what God would want. At its worst, Christian nationalism wants to take America back for God, as if God needs our political help to be the all in all. And reflecting on the importance at this moment in history of the reign of Christ Sunday, Jacob Lufer recently wrote for the religious news service, Christ the King offers both a hopeful and a sobering reminder to Christians whose loyalty to Jesus becomes subordinated to political ideology. In an era of resurgent nationalism, a belief in Christ as king guards against the ever-present and profoundly un-Christian tendency to elevate politics over faith. Now, that isn't to say that one's beliefs and values aren't needed or important in the public sphere. But the elevation of one religion, and in our country, that would be, and for our people, elevating our Christianity so that others are seen as second class or subordinate has never been the way forward. We're quickly careening toward a 21st century that repeats all of the tragic lessons of the 20th century. And that song is doubly tragic. Especially when a different song is so desperately needed now. A song about the work that Christians are actually needed for in this moment, like with homelessness increasing. Even here in El Reno, which I firmly believe based on the work that this church does, even here as rent and home prices rise to record highs, more people do not have warm places to sleep. With mass violence still in our midst, including the shooting at the University of Virginia, where we mourn the loss of Deshaun Perry, Devin Chandler, and Lavelle Davis Jr. The stabbing that took place at the University of Idaho where four young people are left dead. Last night where five were killed and 18 injured at Club Q, a nightclub in Colorado Springs. A new song that is needed now when so many are facing the deep clutches of addiction. Addiction to meth, to heroin, to opioids, to alcohol. There's more than enough work for us to do, church. There are songs that we need to be singing. So let's sing a new song. But here's the caution. As my friend and former dean of Von once said, it's hard to learn how to sing a new song together. It's hard enough to sing a new song alone, to write it, to sing it but to compose a new song together with all of us here in this room, that is what takes the work. Like Zechariah, we await this coming of a mighty Savior who will finally save us from the hands of our enemies of homelessness and want, of violence, of addiction, of subordination, of tyranny, of hurt and fear. We still await that day that he sang about when the promise comes true and we serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness of God's presence all of our days. But first, we have to make the path straight. It requires someone to make the path straight for the ways of God. Perhaps someone's. Perhaps even us. Perhaps learning a new song of peace and thanksgiving, of mercy and salvation together. While it will be hard, perhaps it is us. Yes, there will be the temptations of just living out the same old story and falling back on those human tendencies of violence, coercion, and brute power but perhaps instead we'll remember that the beginning and the end of the story are both Jesus, the Prince of Peace, our true ruler, leader, regnant king, our shepherd, our vulnerable Christ. And if we remember that the beginning and the end of the story is Jesus, then perhaps we will then get a glimpse of what our forerunner John the Baptist had. As his daddy's song sang, because of the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's sing that song. And as we do so, we might need to change a few words here and there. We might need to compose a few new lines. We might have to change the key a bit. But as one Christian year ends and another begins, may we sing this year of mercy and salvation. May we sing of thanksgiving and peace together. Amen.